Welcome into CP for Three podcast with Christian Penios and Jack Bergamini. How are you doing, Jack? I'm doing good, CP. We're back here on Zoom once again. Um, last night it was episodes nine and ten of The Last Dance, one, probably uh, one of the greatest documentaries of all time. Certainly the most watched, the most interesting. Every, pretty much the whole entire, most of the world, everyone who follows basketball watched it. I mean, it's been the talk of Twitter, talk of Instagram, talk of everything. And we just we just really want to dive in, especially to the last two episodes, which really focused on why the team broke up and MJ's last season with the Bulls, 97-98 season. And CP, what just what are your some of your key takeaways from the series as a whole? Well, this whole series as a whole, I just to be honest, it taught me so much about Michael Jordan that I didn't know. I honestly didn't realize how big of a celebrity he actually was at the time. Um, I didn't realize how pot like there were lines and lines of people. And not just him, but the entire Bulls team just trying to get photos with him. It was the like Mike movement was really that big. And I don't think we've seen many athletes like him, like the Michael Jordans, the Tiger Woods, the Muhammad Ali's. The reason they're once in a generation. I mean, we may not ever see anybody like Michael Jordan again. I really thought it showed that he's not human type of thing into it. I thought it was even more impressive how popular he was in a time where there was no social well, that's media. That's true, yeah. You like, saw the, the guys only... in the video, they're chasing Dennis Rodman and those big cameras. It's not like they have the phone. They can just exactly. like, take the video of him. And the, really the only time you get to see these players for the most part is during the game, which is part of the reason why Michael or yeah, MJ was just so dominant. What He knew whenever he was on the court, that was the only time he was really going to be seen. So yeah. he wanted to bring his all. So, so anyone watching at that moment would know he brought. He always had his a, was on his A game. Like nowadays, you can just film yourself at your house doing whatever, and people can see that you're training and stuff off the court. But you couldn't do that back in the day. Yeah, never mind right? the fact that everyone had like seven channels, so now you even see the post game interviews. You exactly. have to to the next day to see the newspaper. Like that doesn't happen anymore. You see what LeBron eats for breakfast, as you said. Mm-hmm. He's taking yeah, videos in their house. That it's is crazy. true, but. Another thing I really liked about the documentary was just like how they really, it wasn't, it was about MJ, but it wasn't only about him. They really highlighted like of the other players of the dynasty that had a really big impact on MJ. Like Scottie Pippen had his own episode in episode two. Dennis Rodman had his own episode. Phil Jackson had his own episode. And the one that really touched me was um, Steve Kerr in episode nine. That was one that I really didn't expect them to focus on Steve Kerr that much at all i thought after mj punching him a few episodes ago that was going to be it on steve kerr for the most part but his that story about his about his father and how he how he was killed in the middle east and how steve kerr had no authors coming out of high school totally under the radar had to make his way to the bulls gain mj's respect that 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 part was just the most emotional part for me out of them all and how he was able steve kerr was finally able to gain mj's respect with the shot in game six and 97 to clinch that finals. I think that I had no idea about that story either, but that, that, was just, that just brought such a new vibe to the documentary. Like we've really invested into everybody's lives and how, it, how Michael Jordan and the Bulls affected him, even though Steve, it was obviously there's going to be a fact that Steve Kerr's on the team, but to hear that my, Steve Kerr to gain Michael Jordan's respect and they both ended up becoming great friends at the show's respect, I think it was even more significant that both of them had to overcome the challenge of a father who was slaughtered in this sense. Mm-hmm. I think it made, I honestly think that's one of the reasons Steve Kerr hit the shot getting the getting into the fight with MJ because he was able to uh, feel that bond of we need to get this together. Because at the time, they were still thinking about breaking the team up. 
That was mm-hmm. not unheard of. And I think they both wanted it so badly after all they've been through. I think that, sh- I think that another thing that the documentary did was it showed how important Michael Jordan's teammates were to him. And honestly, going into this, I thought Michael Jordan was really all for himself, but it really showed me he was not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Steve Kerr part. I got. I had. That was probably the only part during the entire ten episodes. Well, yeah, exactly. Just about to say, I had goosebumps during that part. And they, the storytelling was perfect, right? And the, how they just—it was so dramatic when he hit that shot. Just it was a total like closure for Steve Kerr's story arc, almost. Even though this is real life, and it was just crazy how Steve Kerr like. It, he's not like it, it's. It's just crazy to me how he was able to make the NBA in the first place. He's super unathletic, really. He's not the most strong guy. He's not like super big. You, you wouldn't think he's in the NBA, but he really had has had one of the most successful careers of all time. He won three championships with the Bulls, two with the Spurs, three as a coach. Probably one of the greatest coaches of the modern generation. It's it's really crazy. Oh, it makes, makes me really happy. One of the best. Yeah. One of the best careers of all time. I mean, you're talking about eight NBA championships. Mm-hmm. You could say he wasn't a stud, but like the fact that he was contributing on the team every year and people say that he, I don't want to get too much into Steve Kerr, but just as a coach, he was able to implement a system that fit, that changed basketball. And you can't deny that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just his, his experience that he brought from the Bulls dynasty to this Warriors team, there's no question that has made an impact on them. Like the, I don't think there's any just coincidence. What, what he's gone through. That's yeah. true. And there's any coincidence it's that crazy. he's on the two greatest teams of all time. Mm-hmm. The yeah, Steve and- Kerr, that that MJ team, I mean, they just, they really were unstoppable. And one of my favorite parts about the entire thing, there's kind of this recurring theme throughout the entire series of how something will piss MJ off, and then he'll be like, it's personal. And then yeah. he'll just come out the next game and absolutely destroy them. Like, he, he did that with Reggie Miller. He did that with Charles Barkley. He did that with Carmelone. Like, Carmelone and Charles Barkley both stole MVPs from him. And MJ took that personally because he thought he should have won. Yeah. And, um, and he just came out and, abs- and beat them in the finals, like, in six games. Yes, MJ always had the last laugh, which I think mm-hmm. we, yeah. we, he, we, and he, he, he had to make us. everything personal. Yeah. But even he though would he make to- everything personal, so he would make everything personal just to fuel himself, just yeah. to like have an extra edge to beat them. I, I like that part about him, where he's able to make everything personal for himself, which I think created the narrative that Michael Jordan's all for himself type of guy. But the documentary showed that the people around him really made him who he is. All the, if you think about it, his life is kind of just like he didn't make the varsity team as a sophomore. Then he goes to North Carolina as a stud. who's the third pick in the draft. Kills it in his first couple of years in the NBA. Then is, uh, becomes the most popular athlete of all time. Then mysteriously retires. Then to wins three more championships. I mean, I don't think there's a better story ever in sports, really. And there's very few stories yeah, that, say that can all, challenge it. It all worked out pretty much for the most part. The only, there's only the one part at the very end where you wonder, oh, could he have won more? Could he have won a seventh? But besides that, everything else really just lined up perfectly. And it's just one of the – probably the greatest career of all time. I mean, he, he won at every level. And even talking about those MVPs, like, this is, we've seen this happen with LeBron too. Like, he definitely – I was looking, looking at the stats. He definitely should have won a 93 from what it looks like to me. I mean, Charles Barkley, he averaged, what, six less points than MJ during that year. And the Bulls had the better record. But I guess it was just MVP voting fatigue, as we've seen with LeBron and even, like, Curry. So 
that just fueled MJ even more, and they and they defeated the Suns in the finals. That's true. I didn't think about that. The voting fatigue that how MJ hated that. So he he knew he couldn't take it out on the voters, so he took it out on somebody else, which is Charles Barkley. I mean, MJ could have easily had what seven MVPs if he didn't retire. Eight, could, maybe he. I'm not easily. saying it, we could talk about how if he didn't retire, do you think he would have won those two championships? Because in my opinion, it's just it, it's obviously possible he they could have won, but. It gets to a point where you play that many games every single season. It that break was almost needed, like that yeah. one one and a half years off, because that probably helped them three to be able to three peat again. Yeah. So just, in, in my mind, I don't see them winning eight championships in a row. If he I don't see. I'd say he could have won one more. I don't think he would have won both of them. And I still think it would have been hard to win four in a row. I don't think – no team has won four championships in a row. It's like the 60s Boston Celtics with Bill Russell. Mm-hmm. So I don't – even though Michael Jordan's amazing, I don't think he was going to win eight in a row. That, that would just I just be, think at the end of the 93 season, he was so – as it showed, he was so mentally, physically exhausted that he just needed to take a break from basketball, and he knew he needed to retire. Because after the three-peat, at the time, no one had ever three-peated. So MJ was like – oh, okay, I've pretty much accomplished what I've needed to accomplish. Like, there's yeah. nothing else I need to do here, at least right now. And my and his dad just passed away. And so to him, he's like, I can go play baseball, and nothing hurts my basketball career. And yeah. he's leaving. he left the door open to come back, which he did, which is even more impressive because he was able to transform his body from a baseball body to a basketball body once again and, be, and still be the most dominant player of the era by far. Oh, that's so true. I want to get way into his baseball career for one second. I thought it was so interesting how Michael Jordan was placed in double-A baseball, which some have described as more competitive than triple-A because triple-A has guys coming up and down, some guys who can't make it, so forth. But they put him there because of media attention. Like He was so popular that the single-A uh, ballparks couldn't handle it. And the fact that he was able to bat 202, which I know is not a great bad baseball standard, because when he hadn't played in 13 years, he started the year off with, I think it was like a 13-game hit streak. Like, that's just insane to me. Like, he was such a great athlete that we might not even see somebody as good as him ever again. He could play two sports like that. Like I honestly think if Michael Jordan continued playing baseball, he could have made the major leagues or quite, quite close. Yeah, like I'm no baseball expert, but – I'm not going to doubt MJ's determination to like work at a singular sport. Like if he stuck with baseball, I'm not going to doubt that he could have made, made it to the major leagues at some point for a period of time. But I do think it's probably unlikely. And he definitely made the smart decision to go back to basketball. They didn't really dive into why he went back to basketball. Like, was he done with baseball? Was he just, like, done? He didn't, he didn't think he could do it. I think maybe he just finally realized, you know what, it's time for me to go back to what I was probably born to play. And that was definitely the smart decision. I agree with you on that part. I just feel that – I don't even know if he would have made the major leagues, but I feel like he could have because, as you saw, Michael Jordan was so obsessed with his crafts that in basketball that why wouldn't he just transfer it over in baseball? Yeah, you're right. I mean, and then he ended up coming back in the 95, 95, uh, late in the 95 regular season. Then they ended up losing in the, I think it was the Eastern Conference semifinals to the Magic with Horace Grant and Shaquille O'Neal, which, I mean, MJ, he just didn't have, as it showed, he didn't have enough time to really get back into it. He was still rusty, didn't have the stamina. He didn't have the touch. 
didn't have the touch or stamina to play in the play in the NBA playoffs for that matter. So it just it was too, it was too soon that he came back, and that's why we saw the next season he was they were able to become the greatest team of all time with seventy two wins. Yeah, that's so true. I think um, one of the major points, unless you have you have something else to say. Oh no, you can, I'll, I'll get into my point after you. What do you have to say? We could talk about how um, obviously the huge talking point is why this Bulls team was split up, and I think the the bomb of this the whole the closing point of this entire documentary was when Jerry Reinsdorf said he offered Phil the chance to come back, which defied Jerry Krause's orders because he Jerry Krause had said before the season. You can go 82-0, you're not coming back. We heard that every single episode. Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, tells Phil Jackson, you can come back because you deserve the right to be able to come back because you just led us to our sixth championship, third in a row. And to me, that was just the, the closing point. Like It just showed that even the owner, who was probably on Jerry Cross's side more throughout history, finally he was even able to realize that, okay, we can we – should have the chance to run it back if everyone is willing to. And he offered Phil Jackson the chance to come back. But Phil Jackson did not want to uh, coach a rebuilding team. And it just, it, if you, there was um, Jerry Krause, his unpublished memoir, I sent you the article earlier today. He really talks about how it's not his fault that's, that the team broke up. It was just time. It combined injuries, combining contracts, combining Phil Jackson. Like Dennis Rodman, he wasn't worth a huge contract anymore. The Bulls released him, and he only played 35 more games in the league. Scottie Pippen, was he worth another huge contract? I mean, he wasn't. He was declining. He had already defied the Bulls' orders early in the season by didn't by not having surgery. And then you also had Luke Longley, the starting center. He had bad ankles. They had to constantly rest him, and he wasn't worth a huge contract. And he was out of the league in three years after that, after signing with the Phoenix Suns. And then you had Steve Kerr, who, who wanted more money and who got more money from the Spurs. And just the Bulls didn't have enough money to bring everyone back. And as MJ said at the end of the documentary, everyone would have came back on a one-year deal. But think about how risky that would have been for their future. Scottie Pippen could have got injured again and never had that long-term deal in the future. So as, a, as much as we love to trash Jerry Krause, I think that we have to take into consideration this team was aging and maybe going out on top with the sixth championship wasn't the worst thing in the world. That's actually a good point you bring up, that going out on top isn't the worst thing in the world. I think as fans, we all would have liked to see them run it back because seven championships would just be outstanding, especially with pretty much the two main players are there the whole time. I think it would have been great to see as fans. But I think in the looking back at it now, he honestly made the right decision, had the, right, had the best interest at heart for the team and everybody, and everybody else on the team. And I thought it was... Yeah, go, go on. I thought it was interesting that Phil Jackson didn't want to run it back one more year. He, I remember in the documentary on The Last Dance last night, he said, I thought it would be unfair to Jerry Krause. So like Phil Jackson, I thought, which another part makes him such a great coach, was he really had a way of managing egos. He was able to combine Dennis Rodman, Sky Pippen, and Michael Jordan all in the same locker room. And I thought that that's a testament to Phil Jackson and how great he's an adapter, which even though he's had a great offense, you could say that because he had Kobe and um, Michael Jordan, that the triangle was good for those two similar players. But I think part about coaching was managing who you have. And I think Phil is just outstanding at that, as proven. I think the worst part about 
that team never coming back is that we lost how, how many do you think we lost three yeah we lost three years of mj's prime pretty much which sure. really sucks as a fan we lost three years of his prime he comes back three years later for the wizards he still puts up about 20 points a game but it's nothing he he's He's definitely on the. He's obviously on the decline. He's not leading the Wizards to anything. But if he stayed on that Bulls team, and if you think about it, the ninety, the ninety um, eight, ninety nine season, it was a lockout season. So the season didn't start until February. Every if they brought everyone back, let's say on a one year contract, MJ could have had rest. Scotty could have had rest. Dennis could have had rest. They could their bodies could have potentially healed, and they could have probably got tried to run it back for one more season, just one more. I don't think after that. They're done. But for one more season, especially as I mentioned last last episode, it was the eighth seed in Knicks that represented the Eastern Conference in that finals. I think, they, the, Bulls, I do, I think yeah. the Bulls could have easily beaten them with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. I mean, but no chance as you said, going out going out yeah, going out on top, that could be the best thing because the Bulls Dynasty leaves, Spurs Dynasty comes in. The Spurs win the ninety nine finals. So I guess it kind of works out for the best. Yeah, that's true. I just have a question for you. Is there anything in the documentary they wish they touched on more? Because for me, I just wished there were two things I had to take away. If you had any negatives from it, I kind of wish they talked about the, the popularity of the Michael Jordan show, the Air Jordan, because it was the first like real time that a brand has taken over. And I wish they talked a little bit more about his gambling and how he, Michael Jordan, was gambling till four in the morning like, I feel like they, they touched on it for 20 minutes, but I don't think we really got a good point. If he was gambling until 4 in the morning and playing in the gym at 7.30, and I, wanted, I wanted a little bit more about his work ethic and stuff, which, may, which I kind of thought they left out a little bit. What are your thoughts? Um, we have to remember that um, MJ acted as a, a producer for this entire series. So whatever oh. he wanted in there, that's, that's, that's going to be shown. So if he didn't want necessarily want that much game, like they had to include gambling at some point because like everyone knows about it. But if he didn't want too much of it because he was afraid it would shine a negative light on his career, then they wouldn't do so. But in that, with that point, MJ, quote from MJ, he pretty much says, I didn't have a gambling problem. I had a competitive problem, which to me that means you had a gambling problem because you were too competitive at gambling. That's pretty much what that means to me. So I'm sure he did have somewhat of a gambling prob- problem, but I don't think it affected his game at all. I, I don't think it did at all, really. I think, and I think it's completely bogus. Uh, obviously, all those rumors about David Stern secretly suspending Michael Jordan for the, for a year and a half, which makes no sense at all because, A, you're telling me Michael Jordan and David Stern lied to everyone their entire lives about that suspension? No, that didn't happen. And also, why would MJ come back halfway through the 94-95 season? That doesn't make any sense either. Why would the suspension just end there? So that doesn't make sense. But I'm sure he did have a gambling problem, a small one, but it didn't cause him to be suspended. That's true, yeah. yeah but I don't think that they maybe, – maybe they could have gone a big – a bit deeper into it, but I don't know what they would specifically include, like incidents. They had one point about how his gambling could be tied to his father's death, which was horrible. Not just the fact that anyone could think that. I mean, I don't know how that, how that could be connected. I mean, if a gambling problem and someone killing his father, how would they know he decided to take a nap there? And I don't, all the specifics of that, but I mean, the gambling issue, it it probably was an issue, but I don't think it affected his game. 
Uh, that's a good point you brought up. How much Michael Michael Jordan was the producer? And that's probably why I didn't mention anything about him on the Wizards. Michael Jordan doesn't yeah, want no. that out there. No, yeah, that. I mean, I don't know much. Like, because we were really obviously we weren't able to watch that when he was on the Wizards. But from everything I've read, it's kind of just like an embarrassment his entire career that we just don't want to remember. Yeah, that he that's was on right. The Wizards. He's like, described that, as an actual cancer. Yeah, man. that. And Michael Jordan doesn't want mm-hmm. to to put his name out there. Yeah, he just. Um, perhaps destroyed Kwame Brown's entire career, but yeah. that's not that's not important. A different story for another day. What, yeah, what did you but, think? You texted me last night during the last dance that Michael Jordan's flu game is officially not a flu game. What were your thoughts on that? Yeah, so for the longest time, we didn't actually know if it was a flu game. There were rumors it could have been food poisoning. There were rumors like it wasn't even true. It wasn't actually a flu game. And yeah, well, I guess it wasn't a flu game. It was food poisoning. But the one thing that really made me question was it like what actually happened was okay so michael jordan is in a hotel room when you call up someone for pizza do you say yeah i'd like to order pizza for michael jordan if you're not actually michael jordan calling like what and then how do five how how do like five guys show up and you still eat the pizza like what yeah that that kind of confused i'm not doubting it but i mean how would they know they're delivering pizza for michael jordan unless they had like spies planted throughout the hotel yeah and they were that se- the jazz were that serious about about poisoning michael jordan which i mean it's definitely possible because the jazz have never won anything but i mean yeah that, that's that's the I one mean, part if that made they me were out poisoning him i feel like there would have been some criminal investigation into this that five yeah, guys came and like it's not in modern day era where everybody knows what what NBA trainer is training with what player. Like I don't think many mm-hmm. people in that in that year in the nineties knew who Michael Jordan's trainer was. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, it's just so, not. There's no social media. There's no way to know that. Yeah, but I mean, I guess I guess it wasn't the flu game. But it's still remarkable it the, that he was crazy yeah. sick. Oh, and, totally. Like that yeah. part is just if you to, to light it up and wait. If, if he had, we'll still call it a flu game because I don't think any, that his legacy is going to be known as the food poisoning game. But so the fact that you were able to play a game and what some people call it with the flu, with flu-like symptoms, and be that dominant is just—you must have had to be so mentally tough and so competitive that it's no one in the league would do that today. I guarantee you that if someone even had like a cough, they wouldn't play like that or even play at all. And Michael Jordan knew that he couldn't let his team down, no matter yeah. how. No like ma- if you have if you have cramps at the end in the finals, like you're getting carried off the floor. I yeah. mean, that, that, sorry, just had to, had to bring that up about LeBron. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that any player today wouldn't do that, but that just really showed his mental toughness about how he he wouldn't let their team lose his team lose. And then you have Dennis Rodman going to party with what's Hulk his Hogan. name Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Dur- <laughs> During the during the finals, I mean that was absolutely bonkers how Dennis Rodman did that. Which I mean does play into the part of how maybe the Bulls wouldn't want to bring Dennis Rodman back because they're just probably done with his antics and he's getting older and he's not he's not exactly producing what he did in the past. So that I mean I feel like that definitely played into oh why it, d- it definitely he played was into it. back. Yeah, just I think it it was time for them to go to go out on top because that just. The fact that Michael Jordan won a championship with the Bulls his last year just showed just is just great. It just closes the story. It's like a nice last page to the book. Yeah. How how that ended. It wasn't it wasn't like so many we see so many times today in the league. Like I feel like the Warriors, they're gonna ride out 
their their dynasty, if you even call it that anymore, until it's completely dead. But that Bulls team, they they went out on top, and they they didn't let it die out. They they kept they they were competing until they po- couldn't possibly compete anymore, and then they were done. And Jerry Krause stuck with that plan. Which I, I and the Bulls and the Bulls are continuing to rebuild today. That's true. Yeah, that's true. The Bulls have been rebuilding since. One thing I liked in the documentary was we really we knew um, John Stockton and Carmelo were a great team of the Jazz, but the Jazz were really tough for Michael Jordan. He even said that they probably gave him the most trouble outside of, or no, the Pacers gave him the most trouble in the East. But I honestly think that the Utah Jazz gave Michael Jordan more trouble than the Pistons did, even though he beat them. Like he had, everyone was gunning at his head. I remember Michael Jordan's son said the, the place was too rowdy for them to be at the game. Their, his, his parents thought. Like, they, they hated him over there. I think more than the Pistons, in my opinion. And it was just so, it was so crazy to me how game after game he was able to hit, make the shot, play tough when everybody was going at his head. And I thought... They, also, did, they talked about how, how bad of a matchup Carmelo was for the Bulls. Oh, he, he was this big man who could shoot defend and post up and I mean Dennis Rodman couldn't really do much against him or any of the Bulls big man because um Carl Malone was just so much more mobile and athletic than any of them and John Stockton was was also such a huge challenge because he was this fast point guard who could who could spread the offense and just really great passing ability so it was a really bad matchup for the Bulls and they were honestly I think they were Lucky, not lucky, but it was definitely very impressive how they were able to defeat them two times in the finals. Which is also why I think it would it would have been hard for the Bulls to beat maybe the Spurs in '99. Because think about it, they have Tim Duncan and David Robinson. Johnson. Talk about a bad matchup. Yeah. Two of the best big men of all time, and they're just who's who's defending them? Like, yeah, it's just I don't think anyone would have. So, but yeah, Karl Malone and John Stockton they they caused the Bulls a lot of trouble, and I think. Probably MJ's ranking of toughest, in his opinion, of toughest opponents he went, who gave him the most trouble. Pistons number one, he said. Pixers number two, and probably the Jazz number three. I don't know if he would admit to the Jazz number three, but I think that's probably the order. Based on the documentary, though, I honestly thought the Jazz gave him more trouble than the Pacers did. Because he really, I mean, yeah, it was it was close with the Pacers in '98. Once at Game Seven, Reggie Miller he had that sh- insane shot. Game Four, it was, that was by the way watching that what? back. That was a hundred percent a push off. Oh, easily without a hundred percent a push off. And MJ's shot in Game Six, that was a hundred percent not a push off. Yes, easily. Like there's no way because he would. Michael Jordan as, even as explained said, it to this day yeah, that the guy was, was going in the direction. He was already already going that direction. MJ had his hand slightly on him, but it was on him like. For our, for a few seconds before that, and he just slightly, his hand was going in that direction, and he just crossed crossed over and made the shot. But that Reggie Miller push off in Game Four and uh, in the in the conference finals, that was definitely a push off. Yeah. And let's talk about how NJ almost made that <laughs> shot with 0. .7 seconds left. I I, I have never s- seen that anywhere before. Same here. So That's- many so many shots in. Show me shots in history, like after someone else makes the game-winning shot, but there's a few seconds left on the on the on the shot on the other end, and the shot almost goes in. Everyone forgets about those because they didn't go in, but everyone forgets it was such a crazy shot that almost won and could have changed history. I thought it was interesting was how Michael Jordan obviously picked what was in the documentary. So I thought it'd be the other way. I thought people wouldn't want to Michael Jordan wouldn't want people to see that he wasn't clutch. Where mm-hmm. all over social media you see Jordan's clutch shots. But they don't want you to see what he couldn't do, which another mm-hmm. part of Michael Jordan was he was okay with admitting what he couldn't do. 
And yeah. I don't know. He, like, I thought Larry Bird's player, face in that uh, video showed it the best where he had that like dazed look on him where he knew that Michael Jordan easily could have made that shot. And honestly, he, he probably shouldn't have made that shot. Like, it just took a bad bounce. And yeah. it's, they, I remember Reggie Miller even said, we knew where the ball was going. And they still almost got it off. Like, if you know exactly where the play is going nowadays, you can pretty much stop it with scouting and stuff. But yeah. yeah, every every player needs help. I mean, MJ didn't do definitely didn't do it alone. He had guys step up and hit clutch shots like John Paxton, and Steve Kerr. But also, if you're going to be such a clutch player like MJ, there are going to be times where you don't come through. There are going to be times where you do miss the shot just because you can't do everything. And he did show up 99% of the time. But he's not afraid to let people know that he is human and he does miss shots to, lo- to win the game sometimes and that he's also not a perfect human being, that he struggles he struggled maybe with a gambling addiction, that he hated the media and needed some time off in 94 and that he didn't despise his, his general manager, that he just didn't want to – he didn't just didn't accept him into his circle like he did with his, the rest of his teammates. So it just really showed how MJ – he wasn't a superhuman, even though it seemed like that on the basketball court. No, he was human, and he had human-like issues. That's interesting. Michael Jordan couldn't accept his GM, but he could accept his security guard way more, as they saw that yeah, interesting Gus. segment. Gus, yeah. Rest like, in peace, Gus. Yeah, it seems like he really stepped in as his father figure, which was nice. I would have really wished Gus was still alive or Jerry Krause if we could hear what their points of the story was. Mm-hmm. Uh, if yeah, only they were. That but is definitely true. That uh, is way out of our control. I also found it interesting how Carl Malone, they, he wasn't in it, the documentary. It was only John Stockton. Like or Ron Carl Harper Malone. was in yeah. the documentary. Well, Carl Malone must have declined it because there's no way they didn't, they didn't ask him. Yeah. But, I mean, we really haven't, like, if you just, like, think about it, Carl Malone isn't on the NBA circle, like, at all anymore. He's not, like, at the All-Star Games or anything. He doesn't make any appearances. Like, I can't remember the last time I've seen Carl Malone besides looking at old game tape. Like he's has he ever made a public appearance? I don't think so. I think it might be because of some of off court issues, but yeah, possibly yeah. I, but I that don't is think a good point. I don't think I've ever seen him. He's probably he's a quiet guy like MJ, even though MJ is an owner. Yeah, yeah just it's just yeah. You were talking about Jericho's his side of the story. I mean, he he kind of did say his side of the story, like the injuries. It was just time, but it was definitely part his ego i think like as we talked about last episode like there's no way that he he kind of he 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 decided before the 90 the 97 98 season that this was it and he i don't think he thought they were winning it again there's no way he thought they were winning the sixth championship and after they did win that sixth championship he was probably like oh shoot like we can still compete but i had been i've been saying for months now that we that we're done. This is the last season. I'm going to show you guys we're done. We, we can't compete anymore. But he kind of like, it just kind of screwed him over. He wasn't able to admit he was wrong in a sense. Yeah, if he didn't, I think what really destroyed that Bulls team and just why they weren't able to stay together is because of those comments before and throughout the entire season. If Jerry Krause could have shut his mouth and not said those things and not said, Phil, this is your last season, no matter what, you're gone, that would have not created this whole story of MJ can only play for Phil because nobody would have known Phil was gone. If Jericho would have just kept that under wraps and no one, and just to himself until after the season, no matter what happened and fired Phil either way, then that ent- the entire story of the last dance wouldn't have actually happened during the 98 season. And 
if they end up winning, which they do in 98, then I think there's such a much greater possibility that everyone gets brought back because there's not this perception that that was the last dance and now they can't come back because the entire season they thought it was their last season together. Yeah, that's true, exactly. But the thing is, we'll never know, though. That's why that's speculation. We never would have known what would have happened if Jerry Krause kind of played like, as you mentioned, the the past Warriors team. Let's just ride it out. We'll see how things go. And he's like, nope, I want to rebuild. I want to rebuild. And I think that he was so smart in the way he was able to assemble a team, but his ego just was uncontrollable. It's too big to fit in the room. And combined with Michael Jordan, too. Yeah, if Jerry Krause just shut his mouth – for that entire season and wait until after the season, I think 100% there would have been a much greater chance that team could have came back because it's just like everyone knew that it was the last season. Even Phil, he had come to terms with it, that that was the last dance. And Phil, in the most Phil Jackson way ever, he had the, the fire pit and brought everyone in to write their final thoughts on the team. MJ even wrote a poem, as it was stated. And that kind of just was a perfect closing chapter for for their lives in general just in that for that yeah. bulls dynasty because after that i don't think that no one's coming back they're not they're not coming back for a seventh season because yeah. ever just because of jerry Kraft's statements because phil jackson didn't want to play for a rebuilding team didn't want to coach for a rebuilding team just everything closing they wouldn't have came back true true i think it, it ends at the right time like we said no matter yeah, what you want to say that is true. And I'm really glad just in all, like, how we weren't able – if this were to come out, like, on Netflix, like every single show does today, like, everyone would have finished in, like, two days. I'm really glad that's not what they did. Like, how were they – they were able to put two episodes out every week because it created so much more conversation for people. For five straight weeks, people were talking about MJ. It's like everyone was back when he was actually playing, which I really appreciate how they did that. I would have, I would have even been fine if they did one episode per week because yeah, we'd, ep- we'd only be on episode five right now, and there's so much intrigue, and we'd still be into it. That's true, true. And I don't know what this would have been like if this was released when it was supposed to in June. Like this was only released because there was no other sports on. Like on a, yeah. I don't know. On my opinion, I don't think this would have been as big if this was released in June because there would have been more no to talk way. about. No way. Like we would have obviously watched it. Yeah. But, I mean, the casual I fan wouldn't have yeah, watched this because so many other things would have been on. The NBA Finals would have just finished. I mean, you got baseball. Yeah, I got the draft. Golf is like, on. There's a lot of honestly, other stuff. More so people would be interested. As big. More people would have been interested in the NBA draft, or maybe not more than the draft. But your casual fan would probably be interested mm-hmm. more in the draft yeah. than this. One of my biggest questions after this documentary is because we all know every sing, pretty much every single NBA player watched this. They yeah. all watched this. And let's talk about the stars for a sec. Out of all the stars in the league, who's going to be like, yeah, I like that. That's how I'm going to act from now on. I'm going to be the next, not MJ in terms of talent, but in terms of like how they carry themselves and, and interact with their teammates. That's going to be... I feel like this documentary, it's not just for the fans. This is going to help the league in general because players are just – I think they're going to see what the league was like back then and why that those Bulls teams were so successful. I think this could create even more competitiveness in the NBA. Oh, easily. I think people – when the, if when the NBA resumes, people, this is all they're going to be talking about in terms of basketball. So they're going to be fueled by Michael Jordan. And I honestly yeah, like, think that some younger generations, like kids younger than us, like 10, 11, 12, who really don't know much about Michael Jordan, like this is their first 
like dose they got of him. I think it's going to inspire more and more kids to strive for greatness. You know, it's all LeBron yeah. saying, but yeah, exactly. Even just, but like the players in the NBA, like just think about it. Like, I, I just can't wait to see who's gonna like. I'm interested how LeBron personally reacts to this. Yeah, that that is interesting. I mean, I know LeBron probably knew most of this beforehand, but even LeBron, like, is he gonna become tougher on his teammates? Because it's not, it's very well known that LeBron isn't wasn't like that at all. Isn't like that no, at all. He he's like buddies with them. Like he's boys with them. He's not. He's not telling them to like run more laps up and down the court. Or he's not punching any Steve Kerr in the face. Like he's he's not like that at all. Which is fine. It's, that's not a bad thing. But I mean, could like, if he was tougher, would that result in more success? I don't know. Is he, LeBron going to try that? I don't know. Are other players, superstars, going to try that? I don't know either. I don't really think anybody else besides LeBron could try that. I don't well, really I think mean, Kevin Durant, I don't think he would – maybe, honestly, I'd say, like, maybe LeBron, Damian Lillard could try that. But like, I don't even, I don't think Giannis could. I don't think Kawhi, Kawhi would, and he's too quiet. No, not um, at all. Paul George, no. Like, Kyrie. Kawhi's too busy sitting out. He's not Ky, doing that. Ky, <laughs> Kyrie Irving's not doing that. Like, who? I don't even know who could besides LeBron. And D- Damian Lillard and LeBron, it seemed to me, the only two real alpha dogs that would still have the support of teammates if they tried this. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, no, no. It, it would probably come off as like phony if anyone really did it, just like all of a sudden now. But I mean, maybe as a collective unit, like teams in general, just together. Maybe, yeah, then I think I'm closer. They're all mentally tougher, and they're all like more willing to sacrifice for the greater good of the team's success. Maybe that's more realistic in this in this day and age. It's not not a singular player like I like LeBron. I mean, he, he kind of does that because you know he um. He like doesn't use any technology during the playoffs. He only like reads books and stuff. That's that's kind of his thing. But yeah. I, I guess it's just not really a thing in this this era. We're we're not going to see another MJ in in terms of how he reacts or interacted with his teammates. We're not going to see someone like that. I think the closest things that actually probably Jimmy Butler for being yeah honest. honestly Jimmy Butler. Oh, he's another player who can maybe get away with it or he's yeah. the most Michael Jordan. In I mean terms that was the talent isn't there in terms no. of Michael Jordan comparison, but the way he just carries himself in front of his teammates and how he demands like excellence, excellence from his teammates, even though his teammates aren't necessarily the, like that, those Bulls teams, he still demands that they play their hardest every single night. So Jimmy Butler, he's, he's one where I think looking at this, he's the player who most resembles Michael Jordan's personality in today's game. Definitely. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Um, Trying to think of it in the NBA nowadays, that like another thing might be the one reason I feel like some players might not do it as much is if you if you're rude and obnoxious like Michael Jordan was, it's all over social media. You could get hated so much easier. Like nobody, I guarantee you that like our parents who were who were really watching Michael Jordan closely, they didn't know that he was this disrespectful towards Steve Kerr. Like mm-hmm. I would give you like a, this is an example, but. J.R. Smith threw a bowl of soup at time on like that's all over the news. I'm sure yeah. Michael Jordan has done something of that uh, round. Or not we know he did. So yeah, if, not talked if, about as much. If LeBron acted like this, like everyone would absolutely bash him. Like no one yeah. would like him. Everyone like when LeBron went to the Heat or Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, that was viewed as like the worst thing in the world. By them yeah. switching teams, they didn't even say anything. They were literally just—they were 
nice about it. They like tried to play it off as like friendly and cool, but no, everyone completely hated them just because social media blew it out of proportion. But MJ, he pretty much did all the right things, yet there was still a lot of controversy. Yeah, which just shows that really any in no one's perfect, and everyone loves to hate for no reason. Yeah, and that's just what how it's gonna be at, like all the time, and. Like, that's probably why MJ was so done with the league and why he played baseball, because he couldn't take the hate from his gambling issues, from just the way he played. People people loved him, but when you love someone, you want to find a reason to start to hate them. Yes, which sucks, but it's the truth. Yeah, because you should just be able to appreciate them, which, unfortunately, can't happen much, no. I guess. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this was – it was a great documentary. I mean, there's not – I think we pretty much covered – we cover most of it, and it was yeah. just truly, like, really, truly great to watch, to experience. It kind of brought kids who, like us and others, who weren't able to experience the the Bulls dynasty at the time. It kind of helped us understand, like, the perception of what they were. And I think this is gonna like completely inspire a, like a whole new wave of documentaries in the future. Like we already have, as I mentioned to you earlier, um, Chris Paul's coming out with a documentary. I think it's coming out next week on the 27th about um, Donald Sterling. It's called Black Bolt, which I think certainly would be really interesting. I would love to talk about it yeah, on here again. Yeah, I love talking about that. Yeah, that's going to be great to but watch. This is – you see it all over social media. It's like this is going to inspire a whole new – On like, Twitter, everyone goes, it's that time of the week. Like, and you don't mm-hmm. even have to say – you don't even have to reference the last dance. Everybody knows what's going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's like what am I going to do on Sunday nights now? I mean, this was kind of what – this was what I look – this is what I look forward to. Yeah. No sports, and it's it sucks that it's over. But I mean, I definitely I do plan on rewatching it when it comes out on Netflix, whenever that is. That's true. I think I think it's gonna be it's gonna suck. It's be next year. It's gonna be a while, but yeah, well, worth the wait, I guess. We watched yeah. it once, but yeah, I mean, if that's it, I mean, CP, this was a great great episode. Love talking about the last dance with you. Yeah, so did I, and I can't wait to hope I can't wait till the NBA comes back and tons of new content. Hopefully, in the coming weeks. Yes, we would. If the NBA comes back, we would love to make prediction uh, episodes who maybe we think is going to win. If baseball comes back first, we'll talk about that, not yeah, just NBA. But. Definitely. Who knows, though, when, when anything will come back. Hopefully it resumes soon. And CP, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, see ya.